Okay, so this is Sasha Stone talking with Jeffrey Wells on a sort of impromptu conversation about this year's Oscar race. We were, we talk on the phone almost every other day anyway, and so we decided we might as well yeah. put yeah. it down on a recording so that we could share it with listeners. Okay. Okay, so, so basically I, I wanted to just ask you one thing about how, uh, this is just a thought that just popped up 15 seconds ago. Hmm. Uh, there's a... Um, uh, there's a, something I probably wouldn't say in a review, but I was just noticing how um, when I was writing my review of Palm Springs, um, <clears throat> I was saying, I mean, the reason people become movie stars is because people are pleased with their vibe. They find them, uh, you know, this is the, the kind of person I want to hang out with or I want to be, They, they, they you know. Uh, actresses generally, her name is Kristen Miliotti, M-I-L-I-O-T-I, Kristen Miliotti. She's from New Jersey. Anyway, the, basically, uh, the actresses are, are popular because they are deemed as sexually desirable by, by men. As Susan Saranen said, this is the way the casting thing works. Uh, you know, they, they, they hire you because they want to sleep with you, uh, and they, uh, uh, and vice versa, as far as actors are concerned. And basically, you can't really talk about whether someone is attractive or not because that is seen as, uh, I think, kind of uh, you know, kind of sexist and not and not fair and not uh, accepting of the of what a actor or actress is bringing to the game. Uh, because so it's regarded as something you shouldn't do anymore. Would you? Uh, with I, well, I just, you know, sex is canceled, right? There's no such thing as sex anymore or yeah. any sort yeah. of sexuality. And you're, you're, to, you're to be shamed if you feel any sexuality when you look at any woman. Yeah. Grown woman, it doesn't matter. I mean, yes, it's, it's, it's semi-passable if they're over the age of 18. But yeah. even then, it's creepy. So don't even yeah. look. Don't even look. Never mind the fact that what has it been? hundreds of thousands of years of human evolution to get us to this point of almost 11 billion on the planet. How yeah. do you think that happened? You know, so humans mm -hmm. are animals and animals are, have one purpose on this planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's great that we have these great big brains and, and I'm not saying that all people are, are breeders, I, but, and, or biologically mm -hmm. or anything like that. I'm just saying that uh, probably top tier one to five percent most important thing in the human species is sexuality regardless yeah. of how that sexuality expresses itself it's a big deal right so mm -hmm. films are built in this way to sort of um, express and explore yeah. the gaze and it's not just male gaze it's female gaze it just so happens that men have been in charge mostly of cinema and and so a lot of the objects of desire tend to be women but but a lot mm -hmm. of filmmakers women filmmakers have incredibly Catherine Bigelow is one of them Ava DuVernay they have very mm -hmm. highly developed female gazes and and their subjects are um, beautifully filmed a lot of the time so it's not yeah. just a male thing but it is mm -hmm. the medium of cinema to you know to appreciate beauty and sexuality what what else do you 
basically, the idea is that we're prime primates. They did a study on these bonobo chimps, I think it was, and and they even in their species they understood the difference between a good looking ape and a not good looking ape, right? And they were <laughs> no, it's true, and they were fascinated by the good looking ape, and so that's why you have good looking people in movies because they could basically be doing nothing, and you would stare at them because of the way they look. Yeah. Um, but we're living through a time in our culture where everybody wants everything to be fair and equal. Yeah. You know, yeah, like right. there is no such thing as bias anymore. Everybody's attractive. Everybody's beautiful. Everybody, you know, nobody is left out. Yeah. And so the the idea of judging people on their looks might leave some people out and make them feel bad. So that's why nobody talks about it that way, even though everybody mm -hmm. knows that it's the reality. Anyway, continue. Sorry to lecture. Well, you're it's basically explaining everything I was about to say, which is that um, you, you can't really mention it. And my and my feeling about about this uh, actress, who's it's a pretty nimble and pretty lively actress. She has a good, uh, she got a lot, fairly good amount of uh, energy, and 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 uh, you know she's watch watchful. She catches your attention, but she's um, but she's brittle, and uh, and there's something hard about her, kind of uh, strained and hard. And I just you know I was not particularly. Uh, attracted to her and i uh, and I, that's the way i felt it doesn't make any difference if i'm past my prime or or anything like that I, I, it's still valid to say whether you feel attraction to somebody or not well she and, she kind of rose to fame in that black mirror episode you know the one um the one on the spaceship where uh -huh. you know and that if if anything sort of really tags our cultural moment right now it's that episode yeah. it's very all the black mirror episodes do but that one really captures how a lot of young women sort of view men overall yeah. and how they treat women and how they they view women and, and that women are secretly warriors ready to kind of overtake the masculine control yeah um which is what that that's about and it's really good and she's mm -hmm. really good in it and she's perfectly cast i was watching the stepford wives yesterday from 1975 i think <laughs> how does that play um, well, it's odd because, you know, in the seventies, no, <laughs> in the seventies, because of women's lib, um, yeah. nobody wore bras, right? Because for some weird reason, they thought wearing bras was anti-feminist, even though most guys aren't going to complain if women are wearing <laughs> yeah. no bras. So yeah. all these movies from, you know, Jill Clayburgh to, you know, any movie, they're just constantly looking at like naked boobs under shirts like in Faye yeah. Dunaway and Network mm -hmm. and so here's Catherine Ross and um who's the other woman that's famous that's in that Paula Paula Prentice was in it Paula she Prentice became a, yeah and she's least. you know and so it's funny because it's supposed to be this feminist movie right it's a I mean it's yeah. one of my favorite movies but the first thing I notice is the husband is absolutely a total zero like yeah. Catherine Ross is the most beautiful woman you've ever seen, and she's married to this total zero, this guy who would like be playing her father in the, today. Like, he's not even cute. There's nothing about him that isn't remotely attractive, and I'm wondering what's that about? Like, why did they make that such a strange? Like, he couldn't even be a tiny bit handsome. <laughs> You know? But um, but so that is. Do you have a recollection of his name? Uh, you know who he is. I... He's he's um, he's an actress's father. You know. Um, Mary Stewart Masterson, is that her yeah. name? She's in Fried Green Tomatoes, I think. Yeah. You know, you get him confused, but it's her father actually. That's the only oh, way okay. I know him because she she plays a kid in that. But um, but so the the only thing that's remarkable about the movie, other than I just think it's a good movie, like I, I enjoy mm -hmm. the dystopian nature of it, but is just how drop dead gorgeous these women are. 
And so you're watching this movie that's supposed to be feminist, and you just can't take your eyes off of Catherine Ross because she's, you know. Oh, it's Peter Masterson. I know him. I know his yeah. face pretty well. Yeah, yeah. He, he's. It's strange that he's the. Uh, I agree. They're, they're not a, a match. He and Catherine Ross. It's why would you? Strange. Why would you pick him as her husband? Like, how in the world? I mean, unless you're trying to make the message that yeah, she's really just trapped in this horrible marriage with this guy who um, isn't in the least bit attractive. It's just such a funny movie because it's That's so a funny, dated. weird thing. Yeah, I agree. It's so dated, and I, I got the feeling of like. You know, it's so deja vu right now. We're so living through a cultural moment that's so much like back then when there was the rise of, of women's rights and black power um, and, you know, yeah. Stonewall and all that. Like, And then everything changed so dramatically when, when Nixon won and then later when Reagan mm. won. Like, culture just completely shifted, you know. But here we are back again. And I feel like a lot of the movies we're watching now um, will be like watching... <laughs> <laughs> the Stanford yeah. Wives, where it's like, you could just really see, you know, what was what was important to people back then. Because it's so funny. She's like, she wants to be a photographer, you know? Yeah. And yeah. she's mad because he won't let her do her photography. And they just want the women to behave themselves and be good wives. And um, does and, the um, does her husband actually say, I'd rather you don't have a hobby or a creative pursuit i don't i've forgotten that part no he actually says that he doesn't but it's implicit because basically they moved to this town of stepford and the husband mm -hmm. is seems like a fine guy right like he's he's semi-accepting of of his wife they yeah. love each other but um but little by little he's brought he's drawn into this world where they're just like you know no wife should behave like that you know yeah, don't you right. want to have this kind of a wife come on you know mm -hmm. you want that kind of a wife so she starts she discovers her passion for photography and you know he's like what am i supposed to do with these kids she's like yeah. well i take care of them all day long and she's in the dark mm -hmm. room you know and he's like you know <laughs> can't you just take pictures a little bit less you know like he's all mad about that and um uh, and yeah. our kids he's like our kids look like ragamuffins they look mm -hmm. like they're on welfare and we're wealthy why isn't this house clean and you know yeah mm -hmm. so um but of course today's generation would would be scandalized because they would call it absolutely white feminism because it's all white people yeah so it doesn't matter that it's feminism, it would still be considered um, white feminism. But I feel like movies like, um, you know, Booksmart or a lot of these films that we see now that are really addressing the cultural moment in a way that sort of tries to reshape reality, like the Stepford uh -huh. Wives did. Um, and I feel like that's one of the ways it's like, you know, you don't like... Uh, you want us I'm not I'm not making a judgment by the way on this actress you're speaking about whether she's attractive or not I haven't seen the movie so I don't know if mm -hmm. I even have the same opinion but yeah. there is this idea of punishing men for not wanting to watch it you know or not wanting to look at a movie if they're not attracted to the female and this causes a lot of women great pain for sure you know yeah. like there's yeah. no doubt that any woman who was it that said I mean there's so many stories of famous actresses that were humiliated when they didn't get a part because they weren't attractive enough like Meryl Streep for King Kong you know yeah that was a funny story uh, about uh, meeting uh, sitting down with Dino and he said something to in Italian to a friend who was also in the office or a colleague and she knew enough Italian so that he was saying she's not attractive enough or she's not you know and she actually answered him at a time. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that's, that's great, great. I mean, it's just yeah. a, it's just a weird thing. Like you know, there's a yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that it's just. I mean, I don't think that you can scold people into behaving the way you want them to behave when it comes yeah. to seeking pleasure in art. You know. Yeah. All right. You know, it's it's funny. Don't you, do you remember the 
the what was the actual scheme of the dastardly husbands and the separate wives? As I recall, the uh, what they did was they came up with robots that were mm -hmm. to replace the actual. They weren't. Re in other words, they were murdering their wives and replacing them with robots. Was that the idea? Yeah, that was the idea. And so at the end, Catherine Ross comes upon her. Her own robot. Right? Yeah, and and it, there's yeah. no there's nothing behind the eyes and yeah. But I guess it's the idea. But but I was sort of perplexed by that idea too because I was thinking, why would the husband want that robot? That means they were having sex with like a fake thing. Yeah. You know, like don't they want their flesh and blood wife? Like I'm not. Yeah, even talking... they, the idea would be to maybe somehow give them a drug that would make them docile or somehow. Yeah. You know, do do some kind of operation to their head so that they were lobotomized in a certain something like that, but not. Yeah. But to replace them with robots sounds horrific. And and, and not only that, but if you if you were going to replace it with a robot, why would you necessarily pick the wife that you had? If yeah. you could just pick anybody, wouldn't you pick like you know your absolute ideal fantasy woman? If it wasn't a real your real real wife anyway, you know. Yeah. But the, all the same, needless to say mm -hmm. that Catherine Ross is so breathtakingly beautiful in the movie. It's yeah. just funny to watch them walk around with no bras and these like hip huggers uh -huh. and halter tops and just looking devastatingly gorgeous all yeah. the while kind of trying to deliver this feminist <laughs> message. Yeah. It's yeah. just odd, you know. I mean, you'd think if it was made today, maybe they wouldn't look like that, you know. But I feel mm -hmm. like they're having their cake and eating it too because they're sort of presenting these tantalizing women. You know, while while also trying to say, you know, we're more than just our bodies, and you know. Right. So it's you know, it's funny. I was thinking about I was listening to a New York Times chat, not to get off the uh, the, the the movie angle, but they they're basically talking about how Trump's fate is more or less sealed. They're really they really uh, it, him coming back from being as low as he is, particularly among Republican voters. Not that it won't tighten, it always does a little bit, people always, but he's really uh, screwed the pooch and it really looks, if I had, I don't know how long ago it was that I was in a, in a very bad place, I felt very depressed that Biden was going to win because I saw him as a, um, as someone who would, who would be, you know, barely lucid due to his cognitive uh, problems. And I thought that it would be one gaffe after another. It would be embarrassing. You know, I mean, he might win. I was selling myself. But wouldn't it be better if there was someone who was lucid and sharp and, you know, you know, maybe in their 50s or maybe Pete Buttigieg or somebody that was a little more alert? And what's, what's happened is that the, the, the consensus, and I, and I, you know, I'm a fearful about it as everybody else, and everybody says, well, yeah, it looks good, but what about 2016? It looked good for Hillary until the, mm -hmm. the end. But it's it's really a shame that um, I just feel so. Uh, I mean, I'm stunned how the whole gas thing has gone away. There's no one really, uh, you know, concerned or making fun of him. That whole drooling Joe thing that I was talking about that it's gone, and he's basically pretty pretty together in terms of his limited speeches. And I know he hasn't gone to any conventions or gone on the campaign trail, but still, it's worked out pretty well, and it looks like he's. And he's even said in so many words he's only gonna, only going to run for uh, stay in office, I should say, for one term. Yeah. So, that, so that's the good news and the bad news. The good news is that COVID took both Trump and Biden off the campaign trail, which means Trump can't do his rallies. Yeah. And Biden can't. <laughs> 
Biden can't embarrass himself out on the campaign trail. So he's he's in a very controlled, measured place, which is really good. It reminds me of, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I love Biden, so I'm not dissing him. But remember in Sleeper, how they had the president's nose. <laughs> it's like it didn't yeah. it didn't really matter. It was just a figurehead. Like it didn't mm-hmm. matter who the person was. Um, so it's sort of that that way with Biden. But but that does come with a horrible caveat, which is that he has not announced his vice presidential pick yet. And that is to me as potentially disastrous a thing as Sarah Palin being um, picked, because now you're, you're, you're moving away from the safety and convention of Joe Biden, and you're moving into very risky territory of something that's never happened before. So now you've got two things with Hillary, there were three things that had to happen that had never happened before. The first was, or or were very rarely happening. The mm-hmm. first was that the Democrats were going to hold on to a third term. The only person who's been able to do that in the modern era is Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. And the second was that she was a former Secretary of State. And you have to go back to the 1800s to find a time when a former Secretary of State came to be president. Yeah. And then the third was um, that she was a female. Yeah. And that had never happened. So now we have a situation where you're doing two things. You're taking out an incumbent, one-term president, which is rare, uh-huh. and you're looking at a female. So I I think it's going to be Harris, but I can see it turning into a thing where, I, you know, because I do these this Oscars thing every year, I've trained myself to look ahead at patterns, and people don't take me seriously or ever really listen to me. They just think it's because they only see really or trained to look at what's happening right now or or sort of view the future in an optimistic way. I always am looking at what can go wrong. Uh-huh. And so much can go wrong and so little can go right that I don't think any, the, the in in the Democrats corner is Trump losing 200,000 lives to COVID and any president who loses that many Americans on their watch has to go. Like that has to be a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Democrats are not making it easy. Because while the council culture thing kind of seems like a little bit of a internet problem it's it's kind of seeping out and it's it's becoming a thing like you had AOC talking about it. now she's talking about it she's a house member and that gets dangerously close to it being somehow into our government and if he picks a vice president who's also on board with that and who can't stand up to it Biden seems to only be able to sort of stand up to it, even though Obama was straight out against it. Um, It's just that the times have changed and they're so afraid of alienating the core supporters. They don't want to say anything about it. But it's a huge problem if Democrats present themselves as offering Americans totalitarianism. Well, I don't think that Biden's ever been uh, in that camp. He's, uh, in fact, they, they have not, you know, been that comfortable with him because he's, not been woke enough in his uh, pronouncements and his uh, policies and whatnot. He's too old school, too much of a man of the 90s and the early aughts, and you know he's and all that stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think he's going to be uh, assailable or assaultable on that. I, I didn't think so until he announced that he was going to pick a female, and then I thought, uh oh, yeah, that's trouble because the the picture that I was looking at was just Joe Biden and and his and I would think he would have picked somebody like Pete you know, as his mm-hmm. running mate. And that would have been a lot easier of a sell. I wouldn't have run a woman up against Donald Trump because it's too high of a risk to take under yeah. such a risky situation. On the other hand, some people have told me that they think that because he's picking a woman that that might actually help him to draw many more voters than would otherwise um, want to vote for him. I don't think so because I think the people that you want yeah. are exactly the people who aren't going to want to vote for Harris. So Okay. I mean, if if it turns out that not just her, but like any woman that is 
Tammy Duckworth and Harris, both of them are already seeming to sound a little on board with the cancel culture stuff. I know Tammy Duckworth is for sure. Susan Rice, yeah. Susan Rice would probably be my choice, but I don't think he's going to pick her, and I don't think she inspires much enthusiasm. Who's your choice? I'm sorry. Susan Rice. Oh yeah, me me too. I think she's great. I really like her. Yeah, I think she's she's level-headed. She's yeah. no bullshit. I would trust her to be president in a second. And I yeah. trust all these other women to be president too. I think Harris would be a great president, but I don't think she's going to be a good candidate. She's too volatile and she's too easy to sabotage. Um I think Rice would be a much more sturdy, trustworthy um candidate, but I mean and she's I'll, much more measured, you know, she has that diplomatic uh kind of, you know, she knows how to uh, handle herself in uh, in, in the uh, in the diplomatic end, and I you know was it, wasn't she the UN person for a while? Yeah, and or, she's yeah. and he works really closely with her, so there's a t- yeah. there's a good chance that he'll pick her. But everybody else seems to yeah. think that it's Harris and it's a done deal. And she's certainly out there campaigning a lot, so it would it does seem, sort of seem like that's who's good, the choice is going to be. If I were Biden, I would um, I would pick Susan Rice and have uh, Kamala Harris become Attorney General. And then, yeah. pros- and then prosecute as many of the uh, Trump people as possible. That would be a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I really would. Um, okay, so let's get back to Oscars. Okay, um, right. okay so basically I talked to, yesterday I talked to Susan Wazina and Jasmine. Jazz. One of your, one of your podcasts, you mean? It wasn't mine. It was it was Susan's. She was she just wanted to check in with me and ask me what I thought about the upcoming Oscar race and what my what my ideas were about it. Like what what did I think that um, how did I think the Oscar race was going to shake down in the next year? Like mm-hmm. what do we have to think about? Well, we have to think about Telluride. Is Telluride going to happen? We have to think about um, you know the fall festivals and and how many movies are going to be able to launch without them and we have to think about how you build an oscar contender which is um you show up so bong joon ho there's no way he would have won had he not gone to every single party in town every single thing (laughs) he was everywhere he even went to the hollywood film awards he went to all of them he um he was like jeff bridges during crazy heart there wasn't a mm-hmm. moment where he wasn't there and he was just being charming in himself and he nobody can do that this year. Mm-hmm. So True. I feel yeah. like it's going to tip the power into the hands of the bigger movies that are less, um, that would need less of a push because basically what you're going to have is you're going to have a movie and then you're going to have the online discussion of the movie. So you're yeah. going to have a lot of like, um, dissecting and overanalyzing and, you know, triggered reactions to things. And you're not going to have an audience to counter it. Usually you can have, like, for instance, with Green Book, if Green Book hadn't had um, been screened in front of audiences, it might not have done as well as it did because the people just kind of tore it apart online. But it always had the audiences backing it, saying, you know what, people loved this movie. What does that mean? Does that mean only the movies that like, you know, woke Twitter approves of are going to make it into the Oscar race so that they can have full control over Oscar voters, which is what they seem to want Wow! Um, to totally and tightly control this process so that it it reflects the maximum utopian vision of Hollywood life? Um, Or, you know, we're getting far and farther away from like, what's a good movie? You know, is this a good movie? Is that a good movie? And let's vote for it. That 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 was left at the wayside a, a long time ago. Yeah. But uh, uh, do you think then? Let's just go down one by one. Do you think that you know, David Fincher's Mank is going to be dismissed because it's one a Netflix film, two because it's white guys back in the nineteen forties, and that therefore, well, I look however at... well it, it turns out, it's still it's got the wrong 
participants, the wrong characters. Well, I mean, for sure that this is a situation where after this year, I, I mean, do, can you see any movie like that's made by or starring white people winning the Oscar for Best Picture? Can you see that happening? No, I don't. It seems like that would not be the likely winner at all. And I, it's funny. I, um, I would very much like to see uh, how the Tom McCarthy film, because I feel that Tom McCarthy, when he's got a good piece of material, I'd love to see how Stillwater works out. That's a father-daughter movie. Mm. Uh, even though Matt Damon is white and the daughter is presumably white, does that mean that can't work either because they're white people? This is so sick. I can't stand this. You know, <laughs> it's just, this is all about racism. You know, um, you know, it's it is a bizarre era we're living through for sure. There's no question about it. I mean, it's it's a really weird place to be. And people would say to you, "Oh, you're just a white guy." You know, it doesn't matter what you think about anything. And, and me too. Like mm -hmm. and now, I'm just mm -hmm. a Karen. You know, just shut up, Karen. Who cares what you think? And, yeah. you know, I, look, it, that might be true, you know, fuck it. But the thing is, is that a movie, it works or it doesn't, you know, and, and you can't make a bad movie work just because it has good intentions. So, yeah. I mean, what are we even talking about anymore when we talk about Best Picture of the Year? Because I don't really know. Um, Best Picture is always sort of... What we're talking about is a movie that, that seems to reflect and, uh, and, 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 you know, encompass uh, something about life as we know it on, on the planet today and that also uh, is very smart and very well ordered and first-rate filmmaking as a craft wise and that three uh, film that uh, reaches us emotionally makes us uh, maybe cry a little bit maybe feel a lump in our throat that kind of thing that's what people always are always looking for sure but the so, thing is is the the new generation you know my daughter's generation I hope I raised her to be different than this, but in general, mm -hmm. when they look at movies, they're not judging them anymore on good, bad. They're judging them on how correct they are, how much they speak yeah, to, exactly. to their concerns, right? So yeah. Yeah. did they get everything right? Are they sending out the right message? Are they harming anybody mm -hmm. with this content? And does yeah. this deserve to win for that reason? Now, Parasite was a no-brainer. It was easy pick. It was, you know, a film by yeah. non-white filmmakers and actors. It had the right message. You know, there, it didn't have anything that they could condemn as problematic because in general, you know, if you're not, if you're not white, you're not going to be held... Um, you know, yeah. to the fire about having oppressive themes in your films, because by definition, they can't be oppressive because you're a minority. So only white people and their ideas can be. So if, if they're mad about a movie, they can take it apart in any way that they want and call anybody involved a racist. And they can not only call everybody involved a racist, they can go through every single person involved in the film's history on Twitter and they can decide if something that they said in 2005 was racist. They can ask people on the set if their set was um, welcoming to women and people of color. And if it wasn't, then they were racist. I mean, that's sort of where we are right now in this in this moment in time. You know, this is, uh, again, my head is, is exploding the more I think about the, the standards that you're... You know what Stillwater is about? Mm -mm. Other than father-daughter? It's a murderous investigation a crime drama a, yeah. a father matt damon working to exonerate his estranged daughter so it's obviously you know a kind of thing where he's going to end up close to her at the end 
of a murder that she's guilt innocent of. She never committed. So that sounds like kind of something interesting. It you really know, does. Premise-wise, at least. Yeah. Well, so what I'm saying is without audiences, without fancy screenings, without people-to-people -people experiences, you're going to have the yeah, movie. Yeah, you can't read the room, yeah. And, and you're going to yeah. have the hive mind discussing the movie and interpreting yeah. the movie. You're going to have people like Mark Harris telling yeah. you what, how you should feel about this movie. Is it good, bad? Mm -hmm. Does it, you know, they'll watch it and they will scrutinize it for what it gets right and what it gets wrong. But the last thing they're going yeah. to be doing is looking at it and going, is that a good movie? Now, I should say this. This is very true that this is a minority of people who feel this way, but they have very loud voices and a lot of influence where the majority of people out there still watch movies to light, you know, is that a good movie or not? I'll watch it. That's the majority yeah. of people, but the small minority of, of film Twitter and people who control the conversation and tell people how to feel, that influences how critics vote, which in turn influences how the Academy's gonna vote. Yeah. So, and you know, people on your site, I can just hear like Pete Meisel like freaking out about this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jeff and Sasha freaking out because black people might win Oscars or something like, I could just hear yeah. them saying that, but that's really not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you're talking about judging the year to come, it's a little bit different now than it used to be. So a lot different now than it used to be. And it's even more different. So what I think is going to happen is I think it's going to put the power into the handful of films that have big name directors and big stars like Mank, like Tenet, like Hillbilly yeah. Elegy. Um, mm -hmm. Anything that's got like a top brand is going to have no problem getting enough people to watch it. But, you know, if you're sitting at home mm -hmm. and you're you given some, you know, tiny indie movie that is hard to sit through. You're not going to sit through that thing. You're going to watch like yeah. 30 minutes. If you're an average Academy voter, you're going to watch like 30 minutes and you're going to shut it off, which you can't do in a By screening. the way, um, just speaking of um, of one of the films that I had listed as a, a possible spitfall for Best Picture, I, I don't happen to feel it's quite good enough to rank as a Best Picture contender, but uh, I'll just tell you that, that Jordan, our friend Jordan, has uh, conducted a poll, not of filmmakers, but just critics this time. So not uh, as many people responded, but he did ask for the, you know, favorites, you know, the top of the list, uh, which is your this... favorite film of the first six or seven. And you, you, you can guess what it is, right? Um... I'm going to offer you an opportunity to test the two to divine the the currents in the in the culture and tell me what is the <laughs> critics favorite film of the first six months of 2020 All right, I'm, I'm gonna okay so judging by the are we talking like IndieWire critics here is that's this, part of it yeah okay so so it's gonna be like there's gonna be two uh, two pop into mind immediately and one is um the five bloods and the other is uh -huh. nev never rarely sometimes uh-huh <laughs> yeah that's that's probably uh true yeah those two and well then... uh, i'll tell you that it's the, the the favorite the absolute favorite no question about it is the five bloods mm -hmm. yeah and i'm not uh supposed to say anything uh too candid about it but i just think it's an okay movie um i think it's kind of sloppy and you know it's he's done better you know i mean like for instance when i would pick as the great uh, Spike Lee movies. I would I would choose apart from Do the Right Thing. I would also I would say um, Malcolm, the Malcolm X movie. Mm. Uh, you know that's the kind of thing that I really love. I, I love the the old uh, She's Got to Have It and 
uh, I, I kind of love the uh, the uh, what's the black white relationship movie with Wesley Snipes and Annabella Sciorra. Remember that, when they had this? Not Jungle Fever. Oh yeah, that's Jungle, Jungle Fever. Fever yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, this isn't on their level, in my opinion. But that's the one that, that's on top, and the reason it's on top is for is for political cultural reasons. Uh, critics feel safer about about giving it a, a, a putting it on the top of the list rather than you know not on the top of the list. Well, right now, it's, uh, it's pure. Right. Yeah, no, huh? nobody wants to be called out at the moment. But on the other hand, there haven't been a lot of movies. So it's not like there are a lot of options. But um, but the problem for Def Five Bloods, other than the fact that it's coming out crushingly early and it'll just get killed yeah. in an Oscars that's being held in April, there's no way that movie yeah. makes it all that time, um, is mm. the fact that yeah. Black Klansman is better, right? So you can't go from an Oscar year where you got nominated for Best Picture and Best Director and then... Well, I mean, you can, right? Godfather 3, he came in with that after winning mm -hmm. Godfather 1 and 2, and he got a nomination for 3. So it's possible that you can get nominated for a, for a movie that's not as good as the one from last year. So, you know, absolutely possible, but not likely. Mm. I mean, it just depends. Like, if there are... One of the problems with the lineup that I'm looking at right now is, is white guy, yeah. white guy, white guy, white guy, white guy. So they're not going to want to do that, so they're going to want to be... Um, more inclusive, but the thing is, is I think they're going to also want to go in the direction of female for that. So I don't know if they're going to be. So you're telling me that Nomadland is the is the one to be. Yeah, that <laughs> that's exactly. If that won Best Picture um, and Best Director, there we'd have no problems at all. People would be very happy yeah. with that. I'd be that would cross all the T's and dot all the I's if that movie won. Um, I don't think anybody will have a problem with it. I don't. I mean, is the cast all white people or is it mixed race? Do you know? No well, I would presume mixed because she's on the uh, Francis McDormand is playing a, a woman who's kind of nomadic and driving around the country and uh, with not a lot of money. So I would imagine that she's running into a, a fairly mixed group, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. You know, I could click on the link. Have you have you actually done some reading about it? You do yeah. remember the that, that the style of of. Um, uh, Chloe Zhao's last film, Writer, is a is very spare and minimalist, right. mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of uh, dialogue explaining where people are coming from. You know, you just kind of watch this guy who loves being a, a horseman and a, and a trainer, and he can't do that anymore because of his uh, because of a plate in his head. It's kind of a tragedy in a way. But um, David Strathern is also in uh, Nomadland, and uh, I don't know, you know. Who, who I don't recognize the other two, Linda May and Charlene Swanky, but uh, and and there hasn't been anything on it, but except that it's based upon uh, a book by Jessica Bruder called No Man Land: Surviving America in the 21st Century. So it's it's about people with problems, people with issues. So. Uh, it'll, I mean, it's a hit and miss, but I know that people are going to be interested in, you know, yeah. following that one along to see if it does well. There's um, yeah. The other, mm -hmm. But the other ones that, I mean, if, if it's me in a normal year and I'm not looking out for that kind of thing and I'm just looking at movies that excite me as a Oscar person, I look at... Yeah, think of that. What a concept. Actually, you know, talk about movies that you really like and that might last and that really reach in and, and accomplish something. I mean, this is so depressing to talk about the, <laughs> the, the politically correct stuff. You know, it's just really a drag to think about this. <laughs> I know it's probably going to happen. I understand that. I, we all do, but... 
It's so well, it's, it's not only this. is it going to happen, but it's going to happen on stereo because, like I say, we don't even have the audiences and ticket buyers to kind of even out the, the, the score. We're just going to have a huge amount of people on Twitter talking about it and discussing it, calling it out. And you see what it's like. I mean, it's like a wildfire. One accusation, you know, it, it just it yeah. can go so fast that pretty soon people are getting fired. But um, well, can I ask something about uh, what you feel about uh, be, before uh, of the Trump downturn? And it looks pretty bad for him. Hillbilly Elegy was a mm-hmm. portrait of the culture of Southern Ohio, which is where the the author of the book Hillbilly Elegy came from. And it's really a I always imagined or perceived that film would be some kind of portrait of a culture that many of us certainly in the in the industries in New York and Los Angeles uh, don't particularly like they're kind of sorry that they exist uh, not to be harsh towards the individuals who are kind of rural Trump supporter types but it's 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 like a exotic culture that I that I really think is kind of dislikable and I'm sorry that it, that, that, that they had an influence upon upon the 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 presidential race in 2016. And I'm, I'm, you know, people laugh at this country all around the world. I mean, we're being laughed at for our pathetic inability to to maintain social distancing, and we had to break it after like what, what two months, April, March, and April, and now we destroyed everything. Now it's back to ground zero. Um, yeah. You know, people don't like this country very much uh, around the world. I mean, they laugh at they they think it's you know the idea that we're a we're a powerful great country is so untrue and and hillbillyology is one aspect of that really backward people but that's a but it's an interesting topic you got to give give uh netflix uh you know they've got an interesting film that i think people are going to you know and particularly glenn close who will probably everybody's saying uh you know best supporting actress probably who knows? yeah i mean i i that guy uh the writer of that vance I'm sorry, I'm blanking. J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance. So he's a conservative, and there's no way he's going to pass muster on this. It's going to be it's going to be completely torn apart. Ah. Um. You mean he's going to go out on the interview trail? People are going to no, talk to him not about even, his... not even. He doesn't even have to do that. He's a vocal on Twitter. He says problematic things. T.M. quote unquote problematic. And he, okay. you know, the thing is, is that, um. I think that a sympathetic portrayal of a part of our country that isn't talked about and dealt with in movies is a good thing, is an interesting thing, not a bad thing. I, the last thing I want to do, I feel like ripping my hair out and screaming, is to watch another kind of like book smart movie <laughs> where it's like, the you know, these people in this utopian fantasy of American life are lecturing me on how uh, life should be and aren't you just so happy about this? I mean, to me, that's as much of a Stepford wife situation um, is anything. I completely agree with you. That was the funniest thing you have said to me personally all year. Imagine if the wokester thing takes over and all the movies are like Booksmart. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it's my idea of hell. Like that's not the job of yeah. art, you know, and, and yeah. in the best art can tell the absolute yeah. truth as, as ugly as it can be sometimes. And I think that this would be, I, I've never read the book, um, honestly, but, mm-hmm. um, 
But it is the, exactly the kind of thing. It's catnip for, for woke Twitter to um, go after for sure. And he'll be labeled a racist for sure. And it will be. But, you know, she has a chance. Has J.D. Vance actually said things on Twitter that could be fairly called uh, problematic in terms of his racial Oh, views? no, he's really? not. No, he's not a racist at all. I'm not saying that. It's well, just what's that the problematic stuff that he has tweeted? He's a conservative. Be... He's a conservative. So he... Um, you know, and if, if people want to tear apart, basically to, to most people on the left, all conservatives are racist. All of them. Even the ones yeah. like Rick Wilson and, you know, the ones who are fighting for um, Democrats to beat Trump, who I don't think that we'd even have even a tiny chance without these guys. But um, because they're so good and they know how to win and they're helping to save the Democrats from themselves. But it doesn't matter if you're a racist or not, because what we're in the midst of is a kind of crazy, paranoid witch hunt where anybody that you know could be outed as a racist. It's kind of, it is like mass hysteria. So it doesn't matter if they've ever said racist things because people keep changing the definition of what defines racism. I think that there's kind yeah. of a little bit of a disconnect between the real world and the online world in that way. Like, I think that there's, because there's this shared voice and shared power, there's confusion as to why out in the real world there are so many fucking white people <laughs> you know so um yeah. i don't know what the solution is but i feel like we need a uniter not a divider and i hope that whoever is i don't think it helps um for people like you know charles blow or um, joy reed to say that that cancel culture doesn't exist and that it's just um, you know, speaking truth to power, and it's just white people being held accountable for years of oppression. I don't yeah. think that helps because, you know, people can look around and see for themselves what cancel culture is, and they know it's not that. They know it's gone yeah. way beyond yeah. that. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's to a really bizarre degree. And I, I feel like if anything's going to hurt um, the Democrats, it's going to be that. It's, it's our inability to see it and our inability to confront it is going to hurt us heading into the fall. But I'm looking at um, some a list of movies here. Let's just really quickly. So there's The Five Bloods. We, you know, we'll just put that on the side for a second. Then there's Dune, Mank. Why, wait a minute. Why are you putting it aside? Why don't you have an opinion about it? Oh, well, it's not, it's not that I have an opinion about it. It's that, okay. You saw it, right? I saw it. Yeah, I don't think it's good you enough. You think it's an Oscar late? You think it's an Oscar level film? Do you think it's? I a, do not. It has no. Stuff? I think Delroy Lindo is good. I don't think it's strong enough, and I don't think it'll last through to. Um, I was also, I have to say, a little, <laughs> next spring. <laughs> yeah, forget it. No way. February, March, April. There's yeah. no chance. The only way that happens is if they're really desperate and they're worried that yeah. it's going to be all white people, and then maybe it gets pushed through. But the problem is, mm -hmm. is that it's it's a long, meandering movie that's especially hard to deal with the first part of it. It gets better yeah. as it goes along, but you, you might have lost your audience by then. Right. So um, I, But at the same time, there's not a lot of other options for people who want it to not be uh, Oscar so white. But um, yeah. it's not like there are a lot of black filmmakers making movies this year, like there was the year that that was Black Klansmen, you know. But so we've got... Have you ever read or, or heard anything about news of the world other than it's set in the 19th century and Tom Hanks plays a fellow who apparently passes along... Uh, news verbally to people in towns and that sort of thing? No, Have you heard I haven't, anything? but I, it, it sounds interesting. Okay, so let me just tell you, I'm putting on my Oscar yeah. hat and 
traveling back in time, let's say 10 years, and yeah. I'm looking at the movies and I'm saying, if in an ordinary year, what movies would I be putting down on my contender tracker watch list yeah. to, to look for best picture? And that it would be pretty easy. I, obviously, I would go by the big directors. So I would, top of the line would be David Fincher for Mank. Then I would go um, Paul Greengrass, News of the World. Yeah. And then Stillwater, Tom McCarthy. Yeah. And then uh, West Side Story, despite the controversy, is still a big enough movie to be considered. It's um, not Steven. Hillbilly Elegy that you're saying. That's not well. I, that, I no. These are my top films that I'm just starting at the top with, and then I'd go okay. down the list of uh, other possibles, and and that would be a, a slightly longer list. Um, obviously. Can I ask you what is the controversy? Can just for people that haven't been keeping up what is the controversy quote unquote <laughs> you know what you're really you're trying story. to get me completely canceled off the internet <laughs> um okay be so if you say what the controversy <laughs> is no i'm just saying it's funny because you and i are like really <laughs> we're really in, in dangerous territory with what we're talking about but by even talking about west side story oh, or anything about, uh, anything elgort is that what you mean yeah so well, let's forget Ansel Elgort. That went away pretty quickly, and that's been dis dismissed. It's been dismissed. I mean, that that it stopped. I mean, you know, some people got angry about it, but they're idiots. So there's nothing to talk about with Ansel Elgort anymore, if you ask me. If you look at what she said and what he said, you know, basically he was insensitive to her. He wasn't a very nice and considerate lover, and he ended it badly by not even talking to her, by not giving, you know, not sitting down with her. He just blew her off so that's what it comes down to it wasn't any kind of a sexual assault or anything like that it was bullshit why can't I, we just say that well you saw what happened to me you saw how people went after me for saying he wasn't yeah. a pedophile all i did was say he but wasn't a pedophile that's before they knew anything that's again them just saying a woman said this we have to believe or take them very seriously if they make such a charge therefore let's presume he's probably guilty on some level that's what it comes down to these days well it's worse than that like i i think he's still they still think he's guilty just like they still think joe biden's guilty they there is no taking it back unless the person who made the accusation takes it back and even then they probably wouldn't wouldn't believe it but the they they thought he was a pedophile because he was 17 and she was or she was 17 and he was 21 which is really bizarre that that's where we are today that's ridiculous that's in completely 2020 ridiculous. i mean it's like handmaid's tale level of of absurdity and yeah. dystopian fantasy it's it's really weird but that's how and when that's what they think and that's why so many people freaked out at me on film twitter actual people and yeah treated me in a way almost as bad as when i said i didn't like little women <laughs> not quite almost yeah. but um but the thing is is that the thing that saves west side story from the woke mob is that um it's it's cast has so many people of color and so that's going to keep them wanting to push for it to do well because if it was all white people, forget it, it'd be over. But the fact that it has all these actors of color and there aren't a lot of movies like that, um, yeah. it's going to have a much better chance. So then that would be one. I'd, I'd probably put The Trial of the Chicago 7 up there in my top tier, even though it's Aaron, Me too. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin. He's not, he's not very well tested as a director, but it's enough that, you know... Um, it's an interesting subject mm -hmm. matter. It might be timely. You know, we don't know how any of these movies are going to play. So then there's other movies I'm looking at, like The Prom, directed by Ryan Murphy. I don't know what that's going to be. There's a Charlie Kaufman movie coming out. I'm thinking about ending things. And Hillbilly Elegy. Well, you know what? The tone of Charlie Kaufman's films are um, sort of outside the box and very, uh, 
you know, they're very kind of melancholy and, uh, uh, you know, self-reflective and looking at um, himself in kind of uh, disparaging low self-esteem terms. I mean, that's what his thing is. He's coming from his own realm. Uh, and by the way, the prom is a musical. You're aware of that part, right? Mm, no, I didn't. I believe know that. it is. Isn't it Ryan Murphy adapting the Broadway musical called The Prom? Yeah, Ryan with with Nicole Kidman and and um, Meryl Streep. I mean, it, I don't know how it'll be, but with that kind of a star lineup, it, it I would put it in my at least sort of in okay. my near my top pile. Um, I guess it's about a troupe of self-obsessed theater stars swarm into a small conservative Indiana town in support of a high school girl who wants to take her girlfriend to the prom. Okay, so it's LGBT themed. Yeah. That makes right. me think it's got a pretty good chance. Um, have you heard mm -hmm. anything about Good Morning Midnight, directed by George Clooney? Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, yes, initially, but then it kind of just fell off the radar. I haven't read anything. I haven't heard. Not a thing. You have? No, I'm just looking at a list of movies that might be coming out. Okay. I haven't heard anything about anything that's coming out. But I would All probably, right. I mean, other than the fact that the, the author is problematic, conservative, um, Hillbilly Elegy, directed by Ron Howard, I mean, I think that has to be considered. Um, yeah. That's that's in my, my not my quite my top tier, but it's my second tier. And then there's Andrew Dominic's Blonde with Anna Diarmas as Marilyn. Well, why did that get bumped? And I think that got bumped into twenty one. No. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, but if it, it opens did. in January of twenty one, it's still eligible for Oscar, right? Or is it? Does it all have to be done by? Well, I I would love to see it come out this year, but my understanding is that they bumped it past uh, February the twenty eighth, which is the end of the Oscar year. Oh. The ones that I have written here in a piece I did recently, Andrew Dump bumped into. 21 after 228. In other words, a yeah. March 1st or later okay. release date. Uh, Andrew Dominic's Blonde, uh, Leo Carax's uh, Annette, which I would love to see, but they decided to wait an entire year to play it at uh, the Cannes Film Festival in 21. So that's not going to come out. And then, of course, there's the Ridley Scott film, which was not necessarily going to come out. That got delayed, I believe, due, due to COVID. Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, that's also going to be after February 28th of 21, I guess. That's the one with, um, you know, uh, Denzel and uh, Francis McDormand. And yeah. I think, by the way, uh, I wrote that immediately that I think that people who are desperate political strivers, schemers, people are looking to, you know, gain power for themselves. That's the kind of thing that people in their 30s and 40s do. But as you know, Denzel and Francis are like in their 60s and it just doesn't seem it's not seemly for people of who of that age group to be scheming to become king and, and 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 to murder other people in order to get what they want it's just not the kind of thing that older people do as a rule yeah but I'm still psyched to see that that's one of the ones I'm really excited about if it ever happens um so yeah. uh and, and you're also going to mention Wes Anderson, right? French Dispatch, but that. Yeah. But Wes only does, you know, Wes films, just like Charlie Kaufman does Charlie Kaufman films. Uh, the Sofia Coppola film sounds interesting. On the Rocks, I don't know. You know, that's a uh, Bill Murray and somebody else. I've forgotten who. Yeah. Um, 
there's well we sound so knowledgeable don't we <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is is that that's the, the 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 thing about um that is absolutely the thing about uh um this year is that we don't know anything we don't know how it's going to go yeah. we don't know how this oscar this is we're flying blind because we don't have the usual methods that help us build contenders yeah. which is buzz from festivals hype with celebrities yeah. hobnobbing yeah. with bloggers helping to sort of you know cultivate a oscar contender early on and bring it through to the end of the year and these big splashy screenings for these little movies like ben affleck screening whatever you know that's not ha gonna happen um i don't know if you know i don't know when it'll be that people i think the academy has said that that they have to screen them at least in the academy theater in the academy screening room to be eligible so they will have to be screened um with people six with people feet. sitting five seats apart yeah yeah and i would imagine yeah. a lot of voters are going to want to opt out of that experience <laughs> given that but i think that um it's still going to be so grim and, and, and depressing also that it's, it's not any um, it's not based upon scientific data or likelihood of infection. It's just that it's out there at all. Even as, as I tried to show a few days, a couple of days ago, I, I looked at the number of cases in each town, Santa Monica, Brentwood, Venice, et cetera, compared it to the total population in each instance. In this community that we live in, it's one half of one percent who are known to be affected, infected. Uh, that might be more because, as you know, there's not all the people who are infected who are asymptomatic are are known. But it's a we're talking a very, very, very tiny percentage, and and it's just not a very scary thing. I mean, but it's out there just a little bit, and that's all it takes. So mm -hmm. people are afraid. We're living in terms of fear. And fear is such a drag to, to be a, a big current in your life. Absolutely, I think it's you know? it's partly what's driving us all insane at the moment, and I think it does it does impact how yeah. this mass hysteria event is is happening. Um, I think this, yeah. but the after the Weinstein thing, um, the there was kind of a mass hysteria event after that, with the Me Too accusations, which started out seemingly um necessary and important and right and then kind of tumbling into a stages of mass hysteria or mass panic where everybody was suddenly a harasser if they touched your arm if they slapped you on the ass 40 years ago you know yeah. and we just yeah. went through a kind of a crazy phase and then that died down and then the george floyd murder happened at the time when we were all trapped in our homes with mm -hmm. nothing to do but go online and so I think what's driving us towards this craziness of like, oh my God, everybody's a racist and all of this bizarre cancel culture stuff is in direct relation to both those things, Trump and the threat of Trump and the threat of COVID, which is similar to what happened in Salem, which was they were trapped in their homes during a horrible winter, which was freezing cold. They were being attacked by Native Americans all the time, being murdered and killed for Native Americans trying to hold on to their land. Yes, I know, I understand, I'm not yeah. saying, <laughs> but it was a right. fact of life for them. Plus they had, they were afraid of the devil um, and and witches. So all of mm, those mm. things, they had this, they had this irrational fear that was with them because of the Native Americans, this threat. Plus they had the threat of the devil, plus they were trapped in one place. Plus on top of that, they had this utopian vision they were trying to uphold with their shining city on a hill as Puritans which yeah, is what yeah. we're doing online, right? 
mm-hmm. in the post-Obama world were trying to keep this sort of utopian vision alive and, and, and you know, and purging the village of sinners all the time, daily, <laughs> purge, purge, purge. So we've got, mm-hmm. you know, these two forces. And I feel like if COVID wasn't here, we'd, you know, many people would just be out in the streets. They wouldn't be hunched over their computers freaking uh-huh. out about stuff, you know. But so we're trapped and who knows how it's going to turn out. Um, All I can do is sort of, you know, follow the way that I usually do it and just keep looking out for the best movies. And um, Macbeth sounds absolutely great. It's too bad it's not coming out this year, but I don't blame anybody for. um... So is the Sofia Coppola movie, is that um, a sequel to Lost in Translation? No, not to my knowledge. Sounds like it. It's a young mother traveling around with her father who's larger than life and that's bill murray yeah right so it's not scarlet but i think it's going to be about his his problems right but I doesn't imagine. that sound like a, a you know doesn't that sound like a follow-up to lost in translation well who's the uh, actress again it's jenny slate um okay yeah jenny slate yeah so it's, well uh story of a father or no no take it back it's not jenny slate rashida jones yeah, but the she can't be the... is played by Rashida Jones. Oh, she is? Is, is it really her? Because yeah. isn't she too old? I thought that the character was supposed to be young. Well, Rashida Jones is, of course, she's uh, Quincy Jones's uh, daughter. She's 44, and Bill Murray is like 70, so I yeah. guess she's not too old. Right, I guess that works. Jenny Slate and would Sophia be And my... Sophia herself is 49, so it's not, you know... Right. It Abs- makes you feel old, doesn't it, that she's 49 now. <laughs> Yeah, but at uh, least she's got a, I hate to say this, and don't shoot me, but at least she's got a mixed race female in there because, you know, mm-hmm. she's always being tagged as a racist, Sofia Coppola. Yeah. So it's good that she Well, it's did basically that. An, an adventure through New York. I guess that means through New York City and that her playboy father, played by Murray, is, you know, a larger in life. So basically it's an opportunity to build Murray to improvise and be funny and be weird. And uh, he'll probably require some confession, and I'm sorry, and, you know, and it's at 824, you know, so they'll do their usual thing where they won't advertise. And um, it'll be, uh, I just don't know, none of these seem to have any, you know, dates. Um, they're all Yeah, they're all TBA, kind of hovering, you know? TBA, TBA, and then there's like, I mean, I'm looking down yeah. this awards watch um, list of movies, and there are a lot of movies yeah. by women, like um, Robin Wright, this movie called Land, and there's Sally Potter, The Road's Not Taken, Julia Hart, I'm Your Woman, Felita Lloyd herself, some movie. But remember Felita Lloyd, she directed that suffragette movie. Um, and then there's Lila, uh, I can't pronounce this, Nujabauer, Nujabauer. Um, with Jennifer okay. Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence is starring in that, and then there's Sofia Coppola. So I mean, and Miranda July has. Have a you movie. got this? I mean, the last three or four titles you just written off. They didn't. They don't re- resonate with me at all. Where did you get these? And where I just got I them off of um, Eric Anderson's awards watch. Listed them in February of this okay. year. He listed a bunch of best picture contenders, okay. but. You know, these are movies that don't have any dates of release or anything. I'll send you the link right now. But um, yeah, so so um, listen, I'd like to know what how it works these days when um, you have people that you consider to be close allies or maybe not friends, but close allies. And let's say that 
you would get in trouble on Twitter and these people decide that they don't want to be close to you because they're afraid of Twitter. So they run away and they leave you alone. And then they come back, you know, when things have kind of died down and it feels safer. So the way to handle that as a human being is to just forgive them, knowing that people are fundamentally cowards and you can't expect people to act, you know, like with any kind of boldness or any kind of real character. People are going to run for the hills when there's anything mm. scary. And then they'll come back when it seems safe. That's just the way people are. Would you say that's a, a fair way to assess yeah, I mean, human I, nature? Yeah, I mean, I found it very shocking that I have so few actually loyal, trusted friends who will stand by me mm -hmm. when um, when the shit is down. And you're certainly one of them. And so thank you for that. You're always going to be my friend through thick and thin. And I regard you in the same exact same light. Yeah. No matter what, we're always going to be friends until one of us dies. I mean, that's just how yeah. it's going to be. But um, but I, I was shocked when I went through that Ansel Elgort thing when we were doing that podcast and people were just um, deciding not to not to do it. And uh -huh. it was yeah. freaky. It, it was probably one of the weirdest, scariest, um, scariest moments I've had in, in the 20 years I've been mm -hmm. online. And you know, David Poland stuck up for me and he said, I'm not going to do this if she's not going to do it. And a couple of other people did too. And, um, those, they were, I thought I, I you know, I made a note. Okay. So these guys are, are good, you know, they're good allies, good friends, you know, and, and what I mm -hmm. consider to be a friend is someone who will take the heat and, um, you know, put themselves in front of a, a virtual speeding car to stand with you, you know, and I, I, yeah. any of my friends, I would do that with, and very few of them I would abandon if they were being attacked by people on Twitter, and I would always stick up for them. So I think it's weird that um, that people don't do that, and mm -hmm. and I think that in that case, I always, I always kind of keep them at arm's length, and I understand that our relationship is mostly professional. And that mm -hmm. to maintain a business, I have to have professional relationships with people and it's not personal. Yeah. But yeah. I know that they're not people that I would consider to be friends, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's an odd it's an odd situation. I don't want to test people. I do understand that people are cowards and, you know, yeah. um, people look out for themselves, you know, and they certainly aren't going to go down with the ship if they don't think that you're which is weird because they'll ask you for favors, you know and get your mm -hmm. help and, and, you know, and, and use you in any way that they can to advance themselves. And then when the chips are down, they're gone, you know, um, <laughs> that's always a lovely thing to see. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, people matter and your relationships matter a lot more than all this stupid silliness, you know, and people really just mm -hmm. need to get over themselves and realize that we're not perfect, any of us and holding people to these ridiculous standards I just think we need a lot more forgiveness, a lot more compassion, a lot less kind of judging and hating other people. And that's why I'm willing to keep my mind open about hillbilly elegy. I'm not just going to write it off because it's uh -huh, uh -huh. about red staters. You know, I just don't feel that way anymore. I don't feel like I'm on any sort of tribal side anymore. I just want to sort of understand that, you know, these are end days and we all need each other and we have to cling to each other to try to stay alive, you know. That's yeah. sort of how I see it, but but they these people are regarded the the hillbilly elegy people are regarded as not particularly well evolved in terms of racial matters. No, isn't that a fair way to put it? I know, but does that mean we don't pay any attention to them, or we don't? For instance, I was listening. No, I'm very much uh, satisfied and, and and intrigued with what 
the film will uncover and what it'll, it'll discuss. Well, like I, to, I'm looking very much forward to this film. Absolutely. What what if they didn't make Deliverance because these are you know undesirable? Then you wouldn't have one of the greatest movies ever made. And, yeah. You know yeah, the truth yeah. is is the truth about humans is quote unquote problematic. I mean we're an odd species. We have a really weird history. Like for instance the Romans. If you want to go back to American history and you want to say that we're the worst evil for slavery, you can do that. But you also have to go back to the Roman times and look at what they did and how mm -hmm. like little boys were used, <laughs> were used for sexual pleasure and women were used for breeding and they had slaves too. Like human history is full of awful crimes against humanity. Terrible, terrible crime. Not to say yeah. that American slavery wasn't one of those things. But you have to understand that humans throughout our history, we haven't been the best um, examples of goodness. When we, when we have a choice right. to be good, we haven't always been good. In fact, I would say we've been exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so if you're going to be a scientist and you're going to be an anthropologist and you're going to look back at this stuff, like, and if you're a filmmaker, don't you think you have to tell these stories about people? You don't have to say, oh, oh aren't, sure. aren't they great? But you have to tell mm -hmm. like a kind of truth. And he, he's telling a truth about his childhood and his life, and it got made into a movie. I don't know if it's good or not. Obviously, I haven't seen it. But mm. um, anyway, okay. so I sent you that list, and you can see if any of these movies. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but, I, we, I, we didn't even mention the Steve, Steven Soderbergh thing with uh, Meryl Streep. In which she basically it's, it was shot on a cruise ship going across the Atlantic. It's called "Let Them All Talk." Oh wow! So he that, made two movies this year. What's the other one? Remember that other weird one that he made that was on Netflix? What was that? With Meryl Streep was in that too. Or are you still talking about that movie? No, I'm not talking about the one in which she's looking to find out what happened to the insurance money. That was the. Uh, that she, you know, basically uh, uncovers the uh, the corrupt uh, law firm in the, in Panama, which is uh, funneling and, and laundering money. Uh, no, this is a uh, yeah, this is something they made after that, and it's called "Let Them All Talk." And it's I don't know what the story is, but it does involve Meryl Streep principally, and she is a person traveling from from I guess New York to to England. And it's about and was literally shot on a uh, cruise that went across the the ocean. So. Hmm, interesting. Before COVID, yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Um, so that and also we didn't talk about respect, which is probably going to be uh, best act, best actress. Thank yeah. you, Jennifer. Oh, and she honestly, right? can't you just see her winning? I could see her winning that this year. Um, there's a movie. Yeah. There's one. Next goal wins. Director Taika Waititi with Michael Fassbender, Elizabeth Moss. Army Hammer. Okay. That says it's an adaptation of a 2014 British soccer documentary. Okay. Um, and Ni Nightmare Alley with our friend Guillermo. So. Uh, but that is not definitely not finished, and that's going to be a later in 21 movie, from what I understand. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's the personal history of David Copperfield. Wow, that's right. That never came out. That's a long boy. I've been hearing about that forever. Uh, Armando Iannucci with Death Iannucci, Patel. yeah. And yeah. it says it was supposed to come out May 8th, but I guess it got backburnered. Um, and then there's this this weird movie that's called The Father with um, 
Anthony Hopkins coming out in November. Anthony Hopkins. Oh yeah, that was a, a, actually a father-daughter <clears throat> relationship film, and he's got Alzheimer's, I believe, and that was at Sundance, and very well liked. And very well liked. Yeah, so I'd keep an eye on that one for sure. Um, yeah. And then there's a Michelle Pfeiffer movie called French Exit. Yes, that's right. Uh, she <clears throat> has no money, and she and her son, I believe, are have moved to Paris, and I don't know what happened, but that's the premise. Lucas Hedges, Michelle Pfeiffer. Lucas Hedges. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, right. And then news. Well, of I don't the know world. how they're going to fit all these in. It's just, it, it's just so strange that we're not going to. I mean, they're going to have to just say, okay, let's just start streaming them. I mean, there's no uh, That's right. way to apparently. Do you think there's going to be any theatrical this year at all? Um, well, you know, they always say that uh, that, that COVID-19 get, gets worse in the colder weather. Here we are right smack dab in the middle of the summer, and it's certainly not improving. Nope. And it's going to get worse, they say, when the chillier weather comes in. No, I know. You know. Um, I, it's just going to be like one of these things where the online like hive mind and the film critics are going to be determining this. And I could tell you for sure that the film critics are going to be, um, you know, as they were last year, like wokeified to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that they're going to be on that track. And then people like you and me and um, David, you know, Poland or whoever, Pete Hammond are, are going to be talking about the other movies. But again, like, mm-hmm. it's just really odd because in general, you're looking for movies that audiences that turn audiences on, not people yeah. sitting at home, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just I mean, honestly, they should just and sometimes I think they should just cancel the Oscars completely and just postpone it this year and do it next year. But I don't think they're going to do that. It's well, that'll be a lot of fun for you and me financially. I would love that. <laughs> Well, it's not like we're going to be raking in the bucks, you know, it's like they're not. Well, maybe they'll advertise more. There's always that. Mm. Maybe they'll advertise mm. more given the uh, given the competition, the the intense competition. Now, yeah, I, I, I feel mm. stupid asking you this question because I should yeah. know it. But um, but are they picking 10 movies this year or is it being postponed? Yeah. Uh, um, uh, oh, yeah. In other words, does it actually kick in the following year or is it this year? Good yeah. question. My understanding was. They intend to pick 10, uh, but that's something I guess we're going to have to look at again because I, I, I recall saying, oh, good, they're going to, you know, we're back to 10 now. No more. <clears throat> you remember when it was 10. Remember people were saying, but there's nothing good enough. I don't, I haven't seen enough. It's hard enough to pick five, much less pick 10. Remember those people? I mean, yeah. that was the, uh, you know, your average Academy member was saying that it's too difficult to come up with 10. I know, but honestly, it'll save them a lot of headache having 10 it, they won't have to have this I, i've been tell, thinking they should do it for a long time now only because there's so many people to mm-hmm. satisfy and you just can't do yeah. it with with a short ballot you need a longer ballot so you can get all those other movies in so that people will feel right. more uh mm-hmm. less likely to complain i think they're always going to complain mm-hmm. about the movies but um but i i just wonder this year is going to be incredibly hard to find 10 movies yeah um, yeah but I guess we'll see. Listen, we should close this out now. It's been almost an hour and yes, a half. Yes, we, we've been going on too long as usual. So, as usual. You know. But it was nice talking with you, and I'll, I'll get this edited yeah. and uploaded for you. Thanks, Sasha. I appreciate it. All right. Nice talking to you. Have a good one. Okay. Take care. Bye.